Hi and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. Hey Carlos, welcome to the Sunny Side Up podcast hosted by Demand Matrix. We're super happy to have you here today. How are you? I'm doing great and I am pleased to be with you. So thank you for having me as a guest. Awesome. So it would be great, Carlos, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself. It would be great if you can include a little bit about your past work experiences, anything about your hobbies, get the audience to really know who you are. And we'd love to know about your company, Wisdom CX, and how the idea behind your company came about as well. So over to you. Yeah. So my background professionally, I've been in B2B marketing for a very long time, well over 20 years. Interestingly enough, I got my real taste of storytelling and understanding individuals and people and content marketing right out of school working for a nonprofit where I was working in the office of donor development. So you had to learn how to tell a a good story. And this was long before we had mass emails and automation tools. So it was unbeknownst to me at the time, it was great training. But I've been both on the client side with uh, McAfee and also BMC Software and uh, very thankful for my time there. Learned a ton, met a lot of great people. And then in 2005, I co-founded an agency named Annuitus. And then at the end of 16, beginning of 17, I left that agency and I started another one, which is where I'm at now, Vism CX, which is more of a strategy consultancy. And uh, we work with a select group of clients. And then on the personal side, I am the lucky husband of Suzanne, who is an amazing woman. We have been married 25 years this September. We have four children and one beautiful daughter-in-law. So my kids range in ages from 24 all the way down to 17. And we live in Colorado and uh, enjoy everything that Colorado has to offer. And then I recently just published a book called The Un-American Dream as well. So overall, we stay pretty busy. That all sounds so amazing. And you all, all of you sound like a pretty happy family. Amazing. And congratulations on so many amazing years of togetherness, 25 years. That's awesome. So, you know, it would be great if you can tell us a little bit about your books. I think you've written two books in the past, Driving Demand and The Un-American Dream is pretty recent. So let's talk about them. Yeah, so I have written two books. I'm not sure I have a third in me. If I do, it may be called Why the Heck Am I Writing a Third Book? But <laughs> the Driving Demand came out in 2015 when I was with my first agency. And it was really about what B2B marketers need to do from a change management perspective and also just from a process and strategy perspective to maximize their demand generation activities and include a lot of the models that we used at that, that agency that I believe they still use. And while I'm very proud of the work and very proud of the book. It's amazing how quickly our market is moving and how modern marketing is changing so rapidly because it's it'll be four years old this October and there's no mention of machine learning or AI or account-based marketing. So I've been urged to do a rewrite. And if that happens, it's not going to be through me. But that book is really meant to be a guidebook and very prescriptive for marketers who want to advance their demand generation practice. The most recent one, The Un-American Dream, which just came out in June of this year, 2019, is really my story and the story of so many others who have bought into this idea of hustle and this idea that our work demands the majority of our time and really what is the cost that we are paying 
for our career advancement, the advancement of our businesses. And so it's a pretty honest look at the dark side of putting everything you have emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally into your business and how that plays out in your relationships, in your emotional health, in your mental state, et cetera. So I'm really proud of it. Both books can be found on Amazon. Awesome. So how long did it take you to write this book? This one first came into my head at the very end of 2016. I started writing in 2017. And so we won final on the manuscript in April. And so it took me about two years total because in addition to writing, I was also running Vism CX and doing client work. But I'm glad it took me that long. It needed to take that long. There was a lot of thought that went behind it. My wife wrote a very compelling chapter in the book as well. And where there was a lot of research that went into it, a lot of interviews. So it, it took longer than I probably normally would have done, but it needed to, to make sure that it was the book that I wanted it to be. Sounds amazing. So before we end the conversation for today, we will step into a couple of learnings from the book. You know, you can talk your experiences with work-life balance and things like that for the audience. But before that, let's talk about some of the top five ways in which you and your team at Vism CX have enabled better customer experiences for their customers. Yeah, I think number one is we have to understand that there's a clear difference between customer service and customer experience. Oftentimes, we can actually provide stellar customer service as a result of a really bad customer experience. And too mm -hmm. often, I see organizations getting the two confused where they believe, hey, if we just provide good customer service, therefore, we provide a really good customer experience. So that's number one. Number two is we work with our clients to get them to see that customer experience starts long before anybody buys anything. And mm -hmm. if I have a bad experience with your brand, if I go on your website and I'm trying to find content that's going to inform my purchase or inform how I view your company, your product, your service, and it's just a bad experience, that's already impacted my perception of your brand and your product. So we work with our clients to really make sure that we look at the full and journey of a customer and even those prospective customers. And then lastly, really understanding that good customer experience starts with good employee experience. Virtually every department in your company at some point in time is going to have a direct or indirect impact to customer experience. So if they are not having a good experience as an employee of your company, if they are not enabled, equipped, and empowered to deliver that customer experience, it's never going to make it to your customer. And so we work in that vein as well to really make sure that the employees of the company understand the mission and the goal of the organization, the role that they have to play in the experience, and then what is that experience we want the customer to feel at that point in time when they're engaging with that brand. It sounds all very interesting, but what are some of the top good customer experience obviously drives demand generation, but what are some of the top trends that you're seeing in the B2B and tech marketing space today? Well, I think some of the trends aren't all positive, unfortunately. I think one of the trends I'm seeing in the tech marketing space is a California gold rush where there is so much MarTech out there. And I see companies buying MarTech without a clear vision and a clear understanding of how they're going to deploy that and how they're going to manage their data and use it to their advantage. And so I think we are seeing a lot of shiny object syndrome 
in the mm-hmm. B2B space where people are buying this technology. And again, I'm not anti-technology. I just think we have to define our strategy first. One of the trends I am seeing, which gives me a lot of hope, is more attention to how are we going to use data? Now, I think data is really interesting because for years, and I would say even now, I walk into just about any organization and you hear, well, our data is a mess. But just the fact that people are starting to pay more attention to it, and there's a lot of things we can do. And I would say, arguably, our data, especially as marketers, is our most valuable resource. And so if we can use that and harness the power of that, clean it up, we can really start to look at some patterns and it can inform what we're going to do and how we're going to interact with our customers. Another trend that I'm seeing is people really starting to wake up to the fact that we have to have customer insight. Now, we have tools that can do that for us with machine learning and AI, but I am also seeing that people are saying, look, those are great to complement, but there's nothing that's going to replace getting in front of my customer, talking to them, understanding them, defining their needs, understanding their challenges, and helping them address problems. So that is a forward trend. And then the last one I would say, which really hasn't changed in the last 10 years, is we are just creating more content. We as B2B brands along the way just feel like, hey, let's become these content factories and these content machines. And I stand by the fact that we don't need more content. We need better content. We need more relevant content. We need more focused content. We need customer-centric content. And if we can zero in on that, then we can combine some of these things, insights and data to drive content that aligns to what we're seeing in the analytics on the behavior of our customers and really start to shape powerful experiences. So while working with a lot of your customers, you have spoken about some of the common challenges uh, in the last question, but what are some of the common challenges you've often seen your customers or other companies face when they're implementing demand gen strategies or customer experience strategies? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones is unrealistic expectations from executives. I talk to marketers all the time who are feeling tremendous pressure from their executive level people of, well, how come this isn't working? And and it's like they have participated in such a bad form and a bad practice for so long. And then they think, well, we're, we just launched a campaign. Where are all the leads? And they don't understand that this stuff takes time to do it right, to make it customer centric, to align to a customer journey and develop a content architecture that maps to that journey. Those things don't happen overnight. So I think one of the challenges is really executive pressure. I also think it's just keeping up with the pace of their buyers and their customers. Customers are so sophisticated. Buyers are so sophisticated. We have more information in the palm of our hands via our smartphones than we've ever had before. And that's a real challenge. And I shudder when I go to conferences or when I read blogs and I see people or hear people talking about how easy it is. This stuff isn't easy. If it was, everybody would be doing it well. And the reality is about 25% of organizations say they're doing demand generation really well and really effectively, which I also call that into question because in the same vein, over 50% say they're still struggling with proving ROI and using analytics to prove a business case. So I think that's another challenge. And then the third challenge is the adapting to the role, the strategic role that marketers now play in organizations. When I grew up in this industry two decades ago, 
we were about creating data sheets and brochures and throwing events. Now we are being asked to drive revenue and drive pipeline and be looked at as a growth driver. And I think there's a lot of marketers who are struggling from a skill set perspective and just a mindset perspective on how do I move into that role and do it with confidence. And obviously, in all of this, with, with these changing trends and when this complete shift in B2B marketing, this performance-oriented, performance-driven marketing, that's the need for teams today. So content mm-hmm. marketing plays a very key role in all of this and all of these activities. What are some of the innovative tactics that you've used in the past to align efforts to every stage of the buyer's journey? Because that's, again, one of the things that you pointed out that's missing in a lot of cases. That's a great question. And I would say, I don't know how necessarily innovative it is, but I think what we have to understand is that when we are looking at an end-to-end customer journey and we're trying to connect with customers and buyers, we have to understand that there are multiple people in the account that we are targeting that are going to engage with our content in different ways. They have different preferences on how they receive that content. They have different preferences on what type of content they want to engage with. So the example that I use a lot is my own personal preference. I'm busy. I'm running a business. I'm running a consultancy. Got a lot of different things going on. It is very rare that I will sit down and read a four to six page white paper, but I will watch a two to three minute video. So I can put the same content in that video as I would in a white paper. So we have to understand content preferences. And the way we do that is we can look at, if I'm targeting business owners in a small business context, I can look at my data and say, is this individual, what are they consuming along that journey? So I can use my data and my analytics to inform that. In terms of just how to use content, I think there are a wealth of tools that are out there that allow us to do interactive content. So to engage our user in a different way, I think we get so stuck in a content format or we think, well, we've got to do it this way that we get kind of, we pigeonhole ourselves into how effective we can be, but nothing's going to replace understanding who's consuming content at what place in the journey. Therefore, that's who I need to write to. And then how do I need to deliver it so that they consume it? and start that that engagement where I can then foster a conversation. And that's the other piece too, from an innovation, something I've been talking about for a long time, but I think Drift brought a lot of attention to it with their latest book is we should be having conversations. And so I think chat is a very good way, if done right, to foster really meaningful engagement with your customers. Obviously, in the content marketing journey and in the overall B2B marketing and sales space, you need a lot of tools and technologies today to enable efforts. And you did mention that you are seeing a big gap here because people invest in companies are investing in technologies without really understanding their need. And then there's a big gap. I think a lot of times people have also talked about how they expect a lot of magic from the tool without really knowing what they want from it or how to draw optimum ROI using it. So what would your suggestion be here in terms of when it comes to defining a MarTech stack or a sales tech stack? How should they be looking at their stack and choosing their technologies so that they can enable better efforts? I love that you mentioned the magic from the tool because I hear that all the time. Oh, we thought we were going to get you know, fill in the blank. So what I really believe is that first and foremost, you need to define your strategy. What I mean by that is if we're going to just take customer experience, define what you 
are trying to accomplish with your customer experience. If it is truly end-to-end from audience engagement all the way to advocacy, define the full journey your customers go through. And you're going to know that by talking to them and looking at your data, if you have it and you can make sense of it. And then say, what is the experience we want to deliver at that point in time across that journey and those milestones? Now, the question shouldn't be, what technology do we need to make that happen? The real question should be, do we need technology to make that specific experience milestone occur? You may not. Now, chances are there's a technology out there that can deliver that. But depending on the scale at which you're trying to go after, you may not. And so start to ask the question of do we, and then if you do, ask yourself, how are we going to use it? Who is going to run it? And then what insights will we get from it? And then can we integrate it within our MarTech stack? And I think that's another big problem we're seeing is none of these tools are all being used as point solutions, and none of them are being integrated in a way where I can get insight. And I see this with clients where we ask questions about their KPIs. And the answer is, well, it depends what system we pull from. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm a CMO, if I'm a CFO or CEO, I don't want conflicting reports. I want a single source of truth that I can look at that tells me how am I doing in advancing the company and growing the company. So as I've said for a long time, and I actually talk about in Driving Demand, it is strategy first technology is there to enable a strategy. Without a strategy, when you buy technology, what you're going to do, you're going to enable chaos. Absolutely. I think this was an amazing conversation, Carlos. You shared some very relevant insights, especially given today's scenario, today's marketplace. And I think all of this will come in handy to a lot of our audience because they belong primarily to the B2B marketing and sales space. So before we end for the day, are there any key takeaways and words of advice you'd like to share as a parting thought? We'd be happy to hear key learnings from your experience writing The Un-American Dream or anything else? Yeah, I think, you know, as it pertains to marketing, the 2019 Marketing Happiness Report that was promoted by Marketing Profs came out and it showed that only 49% of marketers said they're fulfilled in their work. And as somebody who's been a lifeline marketer, that truly makes me sad because I think we have an opportunity to do some really great work. And what I would say is, I don't care if you're in sales, I don't care if you're marketing, I don't care if you're a programmer, whatever you do as a profession, do not make that the source of fulfillment and do not make that the source of your identity or your worth because it's not. It's simply what you do. How you do it is more important. And then most importantly, what's going to fuel you and give you fulfillment is what are you contributing to and what are you getting from your relationships? So I would encourage everybody to define boundaries so they can give the best of themselves to their work and the best of themselves to their relationships and their whole health. And I believe in doing that, we will find more opportunities for fulfillment. Carlos, thank you for such an amazing and wholesome conversation today on the Sunny Side Up podcast. I hope you have an awesome day ahead and we'll have you back again soon. Maybe we'll have a debate on the friction between marketing and sales and how one can best help stop these problems. Lots of thoughts on that. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. 